This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Down the stretch they come. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball. Brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes-Benz A-Class. This is Josh Lewin along with the high-class John Heyman. Each week we're going to bring you insight into the top storylines across Big League Baseball. Hopefully you know that by now. And we've got a jam-packed edition for you today. Going to front offices for you of two teams still in it. The Phillies, well, their fingernails on the ledge of this thing. We're going to talk to their GM, Matt Klintak. Brewers assistant GM Matt Arnold will join us there, of course, going forward without Yelich. Tampa Bay Rays beat writer, the great Mark Topkin, will be along as well. Big Time Baseball, a part of Radio.com, allowing you to listen to your favorite radio stations free of charge anytime, anywhere, yada, yada, yada. Uh, make sure that you are following on Twitter at RDC Sports and subscribe to Big Time Baseball on iTunes. We'll be going all the way through the postseason. And John, postseason, it's feeling very real right now and it kind of delineates I guess I mean you're, you're looking at some serious World Series contenders at the very top I think the Dodgers kind of showed on Sunday Night Baseball why it's not that big of a deal that the back of their bullpen or the middle of their bullpen is thought to be a little bit garbled because when you can just roll out Maeda and uh, you know a Dustin May or somebody like that I guess it's just no big deal the Astros are great the Yankees are the Yankees so uh, I guess that's your upper tier heading in here yeah, I loved your horse racing uh, start, uh, Josh, and your Seinfeld reference. That was great, too. So uh, fantastic beginning. I mean, yeah. yeah, I like your shtick. But uh, in terms of baseball, uh, the Dodgers seem like the best team to me. I thought so from the beginning or even before the beginning as I picked them. Uh, I think they just have tremendous depth. You're absolutely right about the bullpen. Uh, not as big a worry. And also Jansen uh, has looked pretty good at times lately. So uh, that may be uh, not as big a worry as well. Uh, I, I love their team. Obviously, Houston and the Yankees have been the second best team, second and third. However you want to slice it, they're about equal. And uh, I think we had a lot of interesting stuff going on uh, below them. Uh, the wild card teams uh, certainly are interesting. And uh, we got to sort it out because uh, it's still very exciting in the American League and in the National League. And the Dodgers getting Justin Turner back. Gavin Lux comes up and looks like he can be a factor. And, you know, before we leave the Dodgers, I know nobody wants to, to give them credit because they haven't won a World Series since Oral Hershiser has been on the mound. But seven straight division titles is pretty good. I mean, they're, they're halfway to the Braves, I know, of, of a generation ago, but that's still really strong. 
they're going to finish up uh, at the Giants and at the Padres at the very end of the season. they got the Rays and the Rockies in the middle. The Rockies are a team, believe it or not, that can really cause some problems because they are going to be taking on the Brewers at home and the Mets at home before this is all said and done. And same for the Reds. But both the Mets and the Brewers, who are kind of circling just on the outside of that wild card picture, they both have that same road trip at Colorado, at Cincinnati. Now, those are great places to get your bats going. Pete Alonso, for example, for the Mets is in a, a bit of a spin right now. Maybe he's getting tired from carrying that team all year. But if you can't get healthy, if you can't uh, you know, just kind of ease into the spa at those two ballparks, something's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that about the Dodgers. You've got to tip your cap to them uh, with seven titles. Uh, I, I know that they feel good about that and probably not so great about the uh, no championships, uh, World Series championships anyway, since 1988. And the Giants with three, their rival, with three World Series championships in this decade. So a lot of heat on the Dodgers. Uh, they've obviously performed fantastically in the regular season, uh, but they got to do it uh, in, in the postseason. Uh, getting the World Series and not winning will be considered a failure again. It's kind of like the old Yankee thing. If you don't win the World Series, the season's a failure, and they're kind of in that mode right now. You know, Colorado, Cincinnati, uh, they're not great teams, but they're, they're a little dangerous. It's not like Baltimore and Detroit, teams that are kind of giving it away this year. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it past uh, Colorado and Cincinnati to win a couple of games and uh, shake things up. Uh, the wild cards are just uh, fa fascinating at this point. I, I've liked the A's for a while. I didn't pick them at the beginning of the year, but uh, we got to give it up to them. I haven't given them enough credit. Same goes with the Rays. Uh, Indians are hanging in there and in the National League. You feel like it's going to be the Cubs or the Brewers who battled it out to the end last year also and uh, seem to be battling it out again this year. But uh, the Phillies, the Mets, uh, not out of it. Arizona, not out of it. But uh, you, you, it would be a, a little bit of a surprise if the Cubs and the, or Brewers didn't get in or both of them didn't get in this year. With the Cubs, let's kind of uh, put a pin in them here because obviously Anthony Rizzo spraining his ankle, that was suboptimal. Uh, you're already without Javi Baez. And then you look at the Brewers, and, and they're without an MVP guy in, in Christian Yelich. So, you know, big losses for both those teams. With the Brewers, though, they lose Yelich and they keep winning. And they've got a very favorable schedule the last couple weeks. they got the Padres at home for, for four, I guess it is. Uh, it, it looked like, oh, my God, you know, when Yelich fouls a pitch off his knee, you're thinking, really? And then Ryan Braun hits his ninth-inning grand slam to beat the Cardinals. I thought that served notice over the weekend. What do you think about the Brewers? We're going to talk, obviously, to get inside their front office in a bit. But before we, we dive in, I'm just interested in your take. Yeah, you got to give Milwaukee credit. They've basically played the Cubs to a dead heat since the beginning of last year. That's pretty good, considering the payrolls of the uh the two teams, uh, you know, some people are certainly going to feel sorry for the Cubs now with the Rizzo with an injury, uh, Baez out for the uh, regular season, at least with his injury. Brian has been struggling with a knee, but uh, let's not forget, they, they added uh, Kimbrel. They made big moves. They added uh, Castellanos. Uh, they, they've added a lot. Zobrist came back. So uh, they, sh they have reinforcements. They should have reinforcements with their payroll and, uh, they're still the favorite, but you're right to point, point out that Brewer schedule and the Brewer heart as well. I think they really stuck together nicely uh, after the Yelich injury. Uh, Yelich on his way to another MVP-type season. I'm not sure he was going to win it, but uh, yeah, he's certainly uh, deserving of merit there. Uh, I've heard only good things about how the clubhouse stuck together. I think it was... Uh, 
Mike Moustakis's uh, birthday, and he had a big game that first game. And, uh, you know, to go to St. Louis and, and play them tough and win some games, Braun has been very clutch over his career. I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, I, I give them a lot of credit for hanging in there with the Cubs because on paper, uh, I understand their injuries now, on paper the Cubs look like a better all-around team. If you look at that pitching and the accomplishments of the pitchers, they've got obviously Hamels and Lester and Quintana, all these guys with accomplished resumes, fantastic resumes. I personally think Lester may be a Hall of Fame and maybe Hamels too. Uh, the Brewers don't have anything like that. So uh, I give Milwaukee credit. The Cubs, meantime, they've got seven left with the Cardinals. And I guess that means a couple of dates with Jack Flaherty, who's got a 1.07 ERA since July 7th. And that's gone up only because of the, the loss over the weekend of the Brewers. Is that in the ones now? Uh, let me ask you about the Nationals real quick. And uh, I'm just kind of thinking back to the seven-run bottom of the ninth to beat the Mets and maybe when the Mets... Uh, if indeed they missed this thing by a game or something like that, that'll be the game they go back to and do the V8 forehead smack. Like, oh, my God, really? Uh, Nationals seem to be in very good shape. Aaron Barrett, uh, you know, basically snapped his arm in half, and now he's back in the major leagues. That's a feel-good story. Where are you with Washington? Uh, they certainly have a very nice team. Uh, they have a great top three in rotation. A lot of people see them as a threat because of that. Uh, Scherzer seems to be back on his game. Strasburg's been very good. Corbin's been really good. Uh, they are three of the many contenders for the Cy Young. I have that vote, and I still haven't decided, and anybody can win it. And uh, three guys on the Nats can win it. And obviously Rendon having a fantastic season in his walk year, Soto. Uh, finishing up uh, a nice sophomore season after his big rookie year. And, boy, Howie Kendrick has had an enormous, enormous season as a part-time player for Washington. Uh, they have a good, solid team. I, I, I think they will uh, they should get in. I don't think there's any question they're going to get in at this point. But uh, uh, they need to uh, at least win the wild card game to get uh, that monkey off their back in terms of the postseason. Let me uh, jiggity-jag over to the American League wild card again here, although I'm going to tie in a National League team, John, because there's a huge weekend series coming up, Cleveland and Philadelphia. If one of those teams is able to sweep the other, that absolutely keeps them in the, the respective wild card race. I think anything less than that, both those teams probably fall out. And in Cleveland, uh, they've got the Tigers and the White Sox still on their schedule. If they go 5-1, and one, in those six games, I, you know, that's probably taking care of business. But I'm looking at the Indians here. I mean, they could win 94 or 95 games and miss out. Uh, I, you know, 20 years ago, the Reds did that. The 1999 Reds won 94 and missed the playoffs. That's the only team I can think of since the advent of the wild card system that was that close and still didn't get in. The A's and the Rays don't slow down. I think that's the biggest problem for Cleveland here. I, absolutely. Yeah, there have been a few teams that have been very unlucky in the mid-90s and, and not made it. Not many. You're absolutely right about that. I do think the A's are going to make it. Uh, they've been really good, and they got three young lefties, uh, one coming back from a couple coming back from an injury, and one coming up from the minors. Luzardo, a very talented kid. Puck, very talented. And Manaya, who's off to a fantastic start. He's kind of like their ace in the hole here. Uh, their secret weapon, maybe not so secret, that uh, backhanded play, I don't know if you saw it, uh, that he made uh, yesterday incredible, or the other day incredible. Uh, so uh, I think the A's are going to be in. It's basically, in my way of viewing this, it's going to be a battle between the Rays and the Indians. And yeah, there's pressure on the Indians. They're going to have to beat Philly. Philly obviously hasn't been playing well. They may do it, and it may go right down to the wire, I think, with Tampa and Cleveland.
And I love the Rays. I think we all kind of look at them as a little engine that could every year. It's a great story. They went 17 in August, 17 and 10 in August and September. They've had a great start, but boy, their schedule. They got the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees all in a row before finally getting to, to slip back against the Blue Jays the final weekend. And uh, Blake Snell is tentatively scheduled to return this week. Tyler Glass now is back and he's hitting 100 miles an hour again. Is it enough? It may be. I've been a doubter forever, but I, I want to stop doubting on the Rays because uh, they have certainly outperformed. Uh, Charlie Morton done a fantastic job as a free agent. That trade, as we've gone over a million and one times, uh, where they traded Archer and got Glassnow and Meadows, fantastic. Uh, they've got a good shot. I mean, uh, Snell comes back and gives them something that'd be a big plus. Obviously, Yarborough's been struggling lately, but. Uh, uh, they're right there. I mean, 50-50, whether it's going to be Cleveland or Tampa at this point. And I think Tampa's got a little bit of an edge. In terms of Minnesota in the American League, and it's funny how we just kind of do the old, oh, by the way, with Minnesota sometimes, put them off in parentheses. Except for you. You were on their bandwagon <laughs> way back in February. But And Evan Roberts. I want to say he, too. Oh, yeah. well, we'll give Evan plenty of credit, too. Uh, <laughs> Rocco Baldelli, is he manager of the year? If it's not Aaron Boone, I mean, uh, you look at what they're doing now and what they're going to continue to do. They're, they're finishing up, by the way, with White Sox, Royals, Tigers, Royals. I mean, they're, they're so in, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but, so, I mean, if they end up winning 101 games, which they could, is Rocco a manager of the year? You know, I think he's going to win it. I, I, a lot of people are saying Aaron Boone because of all the injuries that the Yankees have, and it's been crazy with the Yankee injuries, and they're going to look into it. They're going to investigate what's going on with those injuries because they really have not had their team all year. It's been unbelievable. So Boone, uh, despite managing for the Yankees and the expectation of winning uh, 100 or close to 100 to begin with, uh, I, I think he's in the mix. It'll be probably one of those two. Cash has been fantastic in Tampa. Melvin, always fantastic with Oakland. Uh, he won last year, deserving deservedly so. I probably won't win second time in a row. We probably rewarded him and we're thinking oh we'll get somebody else and I, I think Baldelli will probably win but I, I'm not going to rule out Boone there all right let's finish up it's kind of like we saved the best for last because as we record this Houston is almost at 100 wins already they just swept the Royals and obviously it wasn't even competitive but uh, this is a totally complete team you and I seem to talk about them uh, almost every week on the podcast is we're, we're looking for for dandruff on Miss America here, you know, I mean, there's like, they're, they're so perfect and maybe we can find a flaw if we really, really dig deep, but uh, what would have to go wrong for Houston not to do this? Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. There's no question about it. Fantastic doesn't guarantee a world series title. As I've said, I, I think the Dodgers are, it's their year. Uh, obviously, uh, Houston looks incredible on paper, on the field, everywhere to have Zach Greinke as your number three starter, uh, pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, you know, Verlander, uh, Cole, and Granke. Uh, Verlander or Cole will win Cy Young. Granke might have won Cy Young in the National League if he had stayed there. And it's it's funny if you look at the Granke uh, Verlander comparison, it's a lot closer than you think. Verlander to me is already in as a Hall of Famer. Uh, I think he's already in. I think Granke's on the path. But uh, it's interesting if you look at the whips. And the ERA plus and the strikeouts, it's not that far apart. And Granke, uh, I think, will be a Hall of Famer as well. So you've got two Hall of Famers and you've got uh, the number one pitching, certainly, free agent uh, leading that rotation. Uh, if you want to look for a flaw, you might say the bullpen depth, but that's only because of recent injuries. 
Uh, and th- but that's looking hard for a flaw because, uh, as you said, a fantastic team. All right, so that's where we leave it with Houston as, I guess, the favorite. There are teams that are just trying to show up and get there, and we're going to talk to representatives from a bunch of those teams. Matt Klintak straight ahead from the Phillies. We'll talk Brewers with uh, Matt Arnold. We've got uh, Mark Topkin to talk about Tampa Bay. So all of that straight ahead. Big-time baseball from Radio.com. All right, so getting to our guests today, we begin with Matt Klintak, general manager of the Phillies, and of course has been for a while now. The Phillies obviously wanted to make a statement this past weekend. Didn't quite work out that way against the Red Sox. They're not dead yet, but uh, certainly a fascinating race down the stretch here. Fascinating season too, Matt. Let, let's start with this. Who's your team MVP? Is it like a five-way tie? Is it Real Muto? Who are you really leaning on down the stretch here? You know, I think it's it's a good question, Josh. I think it's been at, at various times it's 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 been different guys. Um, I think I, I'm gonna I'll give you a few different answers. I think all could be viable. I think look, I mean the the, the easy answer has been Real Muto just because of his all around contributions. And if you sort of measure that uh, in total, the offense, the defense, uh, the improvements in his framing and everything, I mean, that he's been, I think he's overall the best defender in all of baseball at any position. I, I mean, he's probably on the you know, the top of the leaderboard um, and not to take anything away from that. I actually think in a lot of respects, Scott Kingery is one of our most valuable players. Uh, and it's and it's not from a war calculation or the highest batting average or the high you know anything like that. It's because of the flexibility that he provides cap on a daily basis and really what he provides the front office uh, from a roster building perspective. When you have a player that that is an above average offensive player as Scott is, uh, who can play above average defense at you know in center field, third base, shortstop, second base. Heck, you could probably do it you know, in left field, right field, or first two, we just haven't really seen him much out there. That is just an incredibly valuable player, um, you know, for a, for a franchise. So, you know, I think he'd be in the conversation. Um, obviously what Harper has meant for, to this franchise in terms of it's, you know, how, how marketable he is and thus how marketable the Phillies have been the national television exposure, the ticket sales, it's hard to make a, an argument against Harper. Um, and last but not least, I don't want to exclude Aaron Nola who, you know, is having yet another, you know, front of the rotation type season, uh, clearly the anchor of our rotation um, and has really solidified himself as a, again, as a frontline starter. So, you know, at various junctures throughout the year, I think you can make an argument for any of those guys and we're happy to have all. Okay, Matt, looking back on the weekend, that final game, the umpire just blew it, right? I mean, that was just a terrible call. Uh, I want to talk about Harper though. What, What do you think of Harper there? Does he need to just contain himself and take the call and I, I know some people are disappointed in some of Bryce's numbers. He didn't make the all-star team, uh, but he's come on in the second half. He's got 30 and 100. His stats look pretty good. What do you think about his debut season in Philadelphia? So, yeah, look, I think one of the – we, you, anybody who's kind of followed baseball for the last, you know, six or seven years, and you have to know Bryce Harper. Um, you have to know the way he plays the game. And part of what makes him such a superstar and what makes him such a perfect fit for the city of Philadelphia is his intensity and his style of play. And you see that when he's, you know, running like crazy around the bases and his helmet's flying off and his hair is all over the place and he's diving for balls in the outfield. Um, When he hits a homer and he's, you know, pumping his fist to the fans, like 
that's that's part of what you get with Bryce Harper, and it's awesome. And uh, and again, our fans eat that up. I think Major League Baseball, like national fans of the sport, have eaten that up over the last few years as well. So, um, you know, we knew going in that that's what we're going to get, and occasionally that's going to lead to a you know a blow up, you know, an, an ejection or two. We've, we've we've seen a couple of those this year, but again, that that is all just part of the package you get with him. And I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for a second. I think that intensity is very good for the Phillies, and candidly, I think it's good for baseball. You mentioned Real Muto earlier, and, and I've got to ask you, he's a fantastic player. You gave up a big-time pitching prospect and a catcher who's doing a solid job in order to get him. Uh, how high are your hopes that you can prevent free agency for him and keep him in Philly? Are you going to try that, or have you tried up to this point? I, th- I think it's fair to, <laughs> to speculate that that'll be one of our off-season priorities this year, um, You know, whether we line up or not remains to be seen. But I, but I think, uh, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier uh, when you asked about the, the question about team MVP, there's really nothing on the field. This guy can't do. He's, he's the best, you know, he has the best foot speed of any catcher in baseball. He doesn't run like a catcher at all. Uh, he hustles all the time. He's a really good fit for our city with his style of play. Um, he's you know, in the second half, he's been on fire at the plate. You know, he was maybe more, uh, you know, more neutral in the first half. In the second half, he's, he's carried us at times. And obviously the defense uh, is, is probably the separator, not only the, the framing improvements, which I mentioned, but also uh, just his ability to, to gun down runners. I mean, it's, it's a joke how good this guy is behind the plate, uh, how quick he gets rid of the ball and um, you know how frequently he's putting it right on the back for our middle infielders to, to drop the tag down. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, we hope he's a guy that will be wearing a Phillies uniform for a long, long time. That's something we'll we'll address this this off season, and uh, hopefully, we'll be able to line up. Um, you know, we'll see. And he plays every day, which should definitely be noted. You know what? That I you're you're right on that, and I failed to mention that. But when you have a, a, a player, particularly that position, who plays as much as he does, he's on pace to start. You know, well over 140 games this year for us. Um, that is an incredible value in and of itself. So you're exactly right, John. You guys had a huge offseason, not just Real Muto and Harper, but also Segura and McCutcheon and some others. You guys have made strides. Everyone said you were the winner of the winter, and I agreed. Uh, you're in the race here, so it's definitely a positive, but we know some people expected more. So uh, that brings me to Gabe Kapler, your manager, uh, someone who's a very positive guy, great personality, but he is kind of a uh, polarizing uh, personality as well. So I, I wanted to ask you, is there anything you could say about where things stay, stand right now and uh, what we might be able to expect beyond this year for Kapler and the team? Yeah. So we, so we, uh, we've had a, look, we, there's been a lot of ups and downs throughout our year. Um, and as you point out, John, it's, you know, we're approaching the end of September now and we're, we're still in contention. And, you know, again, the, the weekend, uh, series of the sweep to the loss to the Red Sox, albeit uh, with two really closely contested games that, that didn't help our chances, but, um, but we, you know, we've been, we've been right in the thick of it all year long and you know, we still have 14 games to play and we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I think I, I hate to, I hate to do this because I think every team has the ability to do this, but, you know, I think when you, when you look back on our 2019 season, however it ends a, a, a big, part of our season narrative is going to be the injuries. And again, it's not, this is not designed to be, to make excuses, but you know, we've lost, you know, seven of our seven members of our bullpen uh, and we carry eight. So, uh, so basically almost the entire uh, 
bullpen, major league bullpen that we were projecting to have has been on the DL for, you know, most, if not all of the season. And that's guys like David Robertson, Tommy Hunter, Pat Neshek, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Victor Arano, Adam Morgan, you know, the guys that we were really counting on to pitch uh, those high leverage innings down the stretch. Um, and that's just when, when you have that many injuries that are that highly concentrated in one area, John, that's 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 problematic and like you you we lost McCutcheon and you mentioned it um and we've he's been out for two-thirds of the season he was on a you know, four and a half win pace this year our leadoff guy and a leader on, you know in our clubhouse and on the field and that really hurt us too but when it's isolated to just kind of you know one player in one position you can you can kind of you can kind of address that now maybe not you can't replace Andrew McCutcheon, but you know, we were able to get Jay Bruce and then Corey Dickerson. And we've been able to maintain some productivity in left field, but, but when you have that many injuries in one spot, it's really difficult. Um, and I think that's probably the, the single biggest thing I point to again, not that we're completely out of it yet, but I think that that uh, is the, you know, it, it's been a big deal for us. And as far as cap is concerned, um, you know, again, you mentioned the word polarizing. I, I think, I think he's far less polarizing now than maybe when he started. And I think that's a credit to him uh, that he's really made adjustments. And I know I've said this before, probably to you, John, but to, to others in our local market, but that to me is a sign of a really good leader is a guy who can uh, gain some experience, learn through the ups and the downs and make himself better. And there are so many ways this year that our team has improved Um in, in kind of on the margins of small things and they're not that small, but our, but our team defense, um, I think, you know, as much as we've had injury problems in our bullpen, I think cap has done a really good job better than really good job at putting the guys we do have in the best positions to succeed. We're one of the best base running teams in baseball. These are small things that you know require effort and attention to detail and coaching and players buying in and executing. And I think as a as a group, they've done really well. So I think you know this, John, and a lot of people. And I'm still very high on Cap. And uh, you know, I think you know, despite some of the circumstances we mentioned earlier, I think he's done a nice job this year. All right, Matt Klentek, totally appreciate you coming on. Great stuff, and uh, obviously, best of luck to the Philadelphia Phillies. No problem. Happy to do it. Hey, this is Cody Decker from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about hymns. Now, baseball has done a hell of a job ruining my hairline over the years, and quite frankly, my wife can't stand it. Well, thank God I just started taking hymns. Go to 4hymns.com. 4hymns.com is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Now, hair loss gets to be a decision rather than an absolute fate. Hymns connects you to real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. These are no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. No, this is real medication from doctors backed by science. Use promo code SWING and my listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See website for full details and safety information. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash swing. That's 4 spelled F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash swing. We are going back-to-back mats. And it's Matt Arnold now, as we segue along, the assistant GM of the Brewers. They've got one of the more fascinating stories cooking in baseball right now. Uh, Matt, everyone felt so bad for you guys with the loss of Yelich, but it it doesn't look like your players feel too bad about it. It looks like you guys are still going to be right in this thing. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Josh. You know, we 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 certainly I don't think there's anyone here that feels like we can replace Christian. You know, I think he's he means so much to this team and this franchise and the, and the city. But you know, look, we have a lot of players here that that are uh, are up for the challenge. I think we've we've been through this before. We've you know we've weathered the storm, and and a lot of guys have really you know risen to the to the occasion here and and tried to step up, which is great. So I don't think there's anybody in our clubhouse right now that's looking at this uh, in a negative way. I think I think everyone's sort of risen to the challenge and and you know looking forward to the next few weeks here to to seeing guys continue to step up. You know. With, guys yesterday like Ryan Braun and then throughout this the past few weeks you know Grandal has been great and uh Grisham has come in and, t- and played a much bigger role so just you know it's it's some feels like it's somebody different every night which is really great there seems to be a lot of chemistry with the Brewers uh, so was there something specific that happened in the clubhouse after the Yelich injury that allowed you guys to keep going was there something that somebody said yeah, you know what I th- I think what happened was I, I believe Craig Council addressed the team and he, he really doesn't do it very often but when he does it's incredibly impactful. Uh, I would say he's among the best speakers I've ever been around and and to have him you know step up and kind of address the team with with the injury and kind of what we need to do and for everybody to uh, to stay positive and keep the energy going. I think I think you hit it on the head in terms of the just the clubhouse dynamics. I think right now we have a really good vibe there and you know again everybody understands that. The loss is going to be a really tough one, but for Craig to, you know, and the coaches to to step forward and and carry that that message and that torch, you know, for the rest of the guys, I think is is really great. Matt, let me ask you about your pitching, if you don't mind. Your opening day starter isn't with you anymore. There've been a lot of ups and downs to navigate, but obviously this this all doesn't happen for you guys without some decent pitching. Do you feel like you've cobbled together something you can go with here down the stretch? Yeah, no, look, I, I think we've had a number of guys, you know, recently, I think Jordan Lyles that we acquired at the trade deadline has, has really stepped up and had a had a really impactful, I think, performance here the last few weeks. And, you know, Drew Pomeranz, I mean, we're getting we're getting people, I feel like, that have that have stepped up. Zach Davies has done a nice job. Um, you know, Josh Hader has been kind of the anchor at the back end of games for us. Um, so there's certainly a lot of different people that are stepping up in different spaces. We feel like, you know, collectively. Um, you know, there's not always that one guy that you can always point to, like, like maybe a lot of other teams have, but we feel like we have a really, really strong group as a whole, um, and different guys are stepping up in different spaces. And then, then, uh, hopefully we're getting back, uh, you know, somebody like Brandon Woodruff, who was an all-star this year, getting him back soon on the path to, uh, to coming back and helping us here in September is really exciting as well. You guys have had some setbacks early. Obviously, you lost Knabel. Jeffress didn't turn out to be the same pitcher this year that he was last year. Uh, the injuries uh, have obviously been there for the Brewers, and you're in a very tough division uh, looking at teams with much bigger payrolls after losing some crucial pieces. Are you are you surprised to be where you are? No, you know what? I think uh, from the outset in spring training, you know, when when you when you enter a season and you're, you're one game away from the World Series, you know, I felt like that was something where we we set the standards high uh, coming into this coming into this year, and and so certainly there were I think expectations for all of us to to be here, and you never know how the season unfolds. Like you said, losing Canable in spring training was a big blow for us. Um, certainly, a handful of guys underperformed I think early on, but. We've also had a number of guys step up, and I feel like the expectations were there from our coaching staff and from our players. You know, when you have somebody like Christian Yelich to build around, and then we were able to add this offseason guys like Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal to our to our group. Um, 
you know, Josh Hader kind of taking another step in his career and somebody like Brandon Woodruff stepping up, you know, we've had, we've had a number of these guys, I think throughout the season. So we know that it's going to be a dogfight. I think down the stretch, the Cubs are a great team. We know that they're very well run. Um, so we feel like it's going to be a, a fight here down the stretch and, you know, we've been through it with them before and we'll, you know, we'll see how this goes the, the next couple of weeks. Lorenzo Kane, a veteran entering the postseason here. How nice is it to have someone with that extensive postseason experience as you guys enter a potential playoff run? I, I do. Yeah, I think to some degree, I think that's a big uh, factor. I think for a lot of our guys, you mentioned Lorenzo Kane being through the, you know, through the fire with us last year and having some amazing moments there. Um, you know, having him and, and those kind of veteran leaders, you know, it, that have been through that in a lot of ways, it gives us a little more confidence, hopefully, to be able to weather the storm, understanding that 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 is going to be a really big challenge for everybody there. But certainly, you know, having those types of guys that have been here with us for a number of years now that are experienced with that type of uh, that type of experience, you know, um, p- potential postseason um, impact that we can have here down the stretch is, is going to be really valuable for us. Christian Yelich, I think, is almost inarguably the greatest move over the last couple of years. Just a fantastic acquisition with five years to go. Uh, one of the best players in the game, perhaps the best hitter in the game uh, right now. Um, so I'd like you to talk a little bit about that acquisition. And then also, I know you tried for some big names uh, at the deadline. You came up with Jordan Lyles, who's been an ace uh, for you guys. Really a terrific acquisition. But uh, word was out that you had tried for Mad Bum uh, and perhaps some others. Uh, could you t- talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, no, look, I mean, we, you know, we kicked around, I think, first, you know, in, in terms of the Yelich question, um, you know, certainly we we had a lot of reasons, I think, to like Yelich. You know, um, I don't I don't think anybody here would have would have, you know, said that he he's going to become one of the best players on the planet. I, you know, honestly, he just he really has emerged and and been outstanding, you know, but we, we did feel like he was going to really impact our team here and liked him for, you know, quite a number of reasons and had a, a number of different people you know, go to bat for him. So a, a lot of credit to our staff that, that recommended Christian Yelich for sure. Um, you know, and then in terms of, I think the trade deadline, you know, look, I mean, I think David uh, does a tremendous job. David Stearns here does a tremendous job with making sure that we survey the market, making sure that we're involved in as many, you know, potential additive moves as we possibly can, uh, can be, I think, to help the franchise. And and I think he did a really good job with with putting us in play for a number of these guys, um, look, while some of the bigger names, like you said, Madison Bumgarner absolutely would have helped us, you know, adding guys like Ray Black, uh, Jordan Lyles, Drew Pomeranz, guys like that sort of, you know, incrementally, we felt like those those types of impacts were the were the types of moves we felt like might might potentially help us here down the stretch. And but we were certainly in play on a number of those other names as well. And ultimately, they didn't work out. But um, like I said, there were, there were a number of different conversations with those teams. So we were certainly in the mix for a lot of those names as well. Matt Arnold, awesome stuff. You guys are a pleasure to watch. Thank you so much for your time, and the very best of luck to the Brewers, obviously. It's going to really be a great final week and a half here. Great. Thanks for having me. In the American League, we're looking at the potential for a lot of hijinks and hilarity down the stretch. The Rays are right in it, as always. Let's bring on Mark Topkin, who's been covering the Rays for a very long time now in Tampa Bay. Hiring can be a challenge, as Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company, and she knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter.com. 
ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job, so you get qualified candidates very fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter her candidates so she could just focus on the best ones. And that is how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at the web address ZipRecruiter.com enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, we are very happy to invite back our friend Mark Topkin, who does an amazing job covering the Rays for the Tampa Bay Times, TampaBay.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at TBTimesRays. Mark, thanks for joining us again. And, and this is going to be uh, maybe the Rays' first postseason appearance in six years. I think everybody's kind of strapped in and ready for that. Uh, obviously, uh, it would be nice if Oakland and or Cleveland slowed the heck down right now. Is it kind of we only control what we control? Is that the, the permeating thought in that clubhouse? I, I think it is, although they kind of are wondering, is Oakland ever going to lose again? Because it seems like every time the Rays look up, uh, Oakland's winning. And, and certainly Oakland's schedule uh, from here on out is seemingly uh, rather accommodating for their their plan. So I think, though, that's basically all the Rays can do. I mean, their schedule is actually kind of tricky. They've got the Dodgers and they've got the Red Sox, who, while out of it overall, there's always a little spark when the Rays and Red Sox are playing, so I can, can't imagine those will be easy games. And they've got the Yankees. So uh, everybody, even though teams have clinched, obviously they're playing and positioning for home field advantage in the postseason. So a little, little bit of a treacherous route for the Rays. I think that is their approach is, you know, just win the games they can win. They, you know, kind of let one get away Sunday uh, against the Angels early. Then they tried to make a late run. They lost two in Texas. So they've played really well. But, you know, it's going to be one of those things where every loss will be end up looking back upon if they do fall short. Frankly, Mark, I, I really don't know how the Rays do it every year. I always predict them to not be a playoff team. And they're often either a playoff team or they come close. They really do a terrific job. Uh, even if they lost to Joe Madden and Andrew Friedman, who became respectively the highest paid manager and the highest paid baseball ops guy in baseball, uh, they just kept right on going and playing great. I certainly did not foresee this. Did you see this? And what do you think the secret is? Is there some secret sauce for them to be able to contend every year? How do they do it? Yeah, it's interesting, John. And you're right. It's been a lot of transition. Uh, they last were in the playoffs, though, in 2013. So this looks like the year where they'll, they'll maybe you know make it all the way back. They have had some good teams in the past, but this is one that has the opportunity to do the most. And yeah, I think it speaks to the system, to the philosophy, to the mindset, to the willingness to do things differently. I mean, the Rays were just uh, in Anaheim over the weekend, and that was kind of a back to the future moment. That's where they unveiled the opener in May of 2018 and, and something that's just, just kind of changed baseball. I mean, almost what two thirds or more of the teams have, have done that with their pitching staff and the Rays are willing to do weird things, different things to maximize what they have, the, the versatility of their players, guys that can play anywhere on the field, uh, willing to kind of make changes by matchups, even against, you know, logic sometimes and, or maybe even more than sometimes. So, I think it's just a, an organizational thing, a mindset. 
are arguably it starts at the top with principal owner Stuart Sternberg, who's kind of empowered these guys to figure stuff out differently, find ways to succeed with what they have. And if they do get into the playoffs and, and you know get past the one game in the wild card, I think you'll see some really bizarre pitching uh, moves and maneuvers that they'll use in that situation as well. So I'm looking at one thing here. Uh, you guys in Tampa Bay, by any incarnation, the Devil Rays, the Rays, never played 600 ball for a whole year, 599 once. 600 is in play this year. And, and you look at the pitching metrics, they're awesome. You guys bring in Morton, who's played such a large part, but it's not like you have a role as Chapman or Josh Hader in the bullpen. It's the most hodgepodge pitching you could argue that there is among contenders out there. A dozen different guys with saves, uh, a bunch of guys that weren't with the, the team at all at the start of the year, and yet the Rays continue to get it done. Yeah, and, and like, you know, in interesting fashion, I mean, Emilio Pagan uh, got his 20th save over the weekend. He didn't make the team out of spring training. He wasn't good enough to be on the team, and he ended up uh, now as their closer, and like I said, he got the 20 save mark. You know, they've had some they've had some failures. They've had some guys who faltered, who got hurt, who didn't pitch well. I mean, they went into the year thinking Jose Alvarado was their best reliever. Uh, he first four, five, maybe even six weeks, he looked like it, and then just started having some issues on the mound. Then he left the team for a month for some personal reasons, had to go home to Venezuela, and, and really ended up, then he hurt, got hurt. So it's a lost season for him. Diego Castillo, not been the guy they expected. They thought he'd be a high-leverage guy, but they find these guys. And the good thing, uh, Josh, is they traded like six relievers in July. I mean, two of them are with the Dodgers. They're going to see this week in Casey Sadler, Adam Kalark. But they basically rebuilt this bullpen on the fly during the season, Oliver Drake, the guy who pitched for five teams last year, he also didn't make the opening day roster. They had him in AAA. He's become one of the more dependable guys. Colin Pochet, lefty guy who was you know kind of the analytical uh, favorite last year because he had some incredible numbers at AAA come up. He's gotten hit around a little bit, but he's kind of found his groove. So they just have this kind of, like you say, hodgepodge, no-name group. Uh, the, the, the buy-in, Kevin Cash and, and the pitching coach, Kyle Snyder deserve a ton of credit. They basically just convinced all these guys, like, this is an ego thing. This isn't about who's pitching winning. This is be ready. We've seen Chaz Rowe come in in the third and fourth inning in some of these games when the starters you know, go short by design. We've seen guys been asked to pitch two innings, and, and they may have made – they may have acquired the best reliever at the trade deadline of anybody, and, and obviously there were a number of big-name guys in the resume and stats. And same with Nick Anderson has done – since he's come over to the Rays, has been amazing, too. So they really put this together. Like I said, during the season, the group that started the year and the group that's out there now is nothing alike. The Rays make a lot of great under-the-radar type moves, but one move they made right at the deadline that involved big names and really shocked a lot of us in the business, and a lot of people felt at that moment that the Rays had really made a steal, was the deal to send Chris Archer to Pittsburgh, where they got Meadows and Glass now. Uh, Glass now has looked almost unhittable when he's been able to pitch, and Meadows has been one of the best offensive players on the Rays this year. Uh, did the team know what a bargain that it got with this deal? Uh, what was the reaction behind the scenes? Realistically, I mean, I think they were pretty excited with the haul, and then you, you know, they also got a prospect, Shane Boz, that has already you know worked his way onto some of the top 100 lists. I think he's actually 75 or 73 on one of the lists. So. There may be more to come. This may be the gift that keeps on giving. Maybe Neil Hunting can get the playoff share from the Rays no. to make it. But um, Austin Meadows has really turned into the guy. I mean, he, he's at 31 homers and 80 
84, 85 RBIs right now, and he missed three weeks. So, I mean, realistically, you know, he might be 35 and 100 if he wasn't out for those three weeks with a thumb injury early in the season. And and he's a low key guy. Uh, seems to you know really like the atmosphere of down there. Seems to like playing down there. Probably he still needs to work on his defense a little bit. He DHs a lot for a 24 year old, especially, but. Really a sweet swing, a middle of the lineup guy, and then you're right, Tyler Glass. Now, I mean, he was he had the best statistics of any starting pitcher, even you know, even the, even in the Astros category, any starting pitcher uh, when he got hurt, he was six and one with a sub two when he walked off the mound in that game against the Yankees on May 10th, and just now getting back, he's pitched twice. He went two innings and three innings, is uh, so you know they're anticipating him getting the four and five by the end of the season, if they were to make the playoffs and get past the wild card game, I think he would be able to be a, a traditional legitimate starter, but you know, the way they use this bullpen, I mean, Charlie Morton is the only guy that goes out there and you know, they're going to let him stay out there for five or six innings. Everybody else, it's kind of a, we'll see how it goes. And obviously Blake Snell was in that category. He's just coming back this week from his own injury. Mark Topkin, our final guest, and I sure appreciate it uh, very much, Mark. The Rays continue to be a really, really interesting team. All right, guys. Sounds good. Anytime. we got one last interesting segment for you. That, of course, is the segment where John Heyman gets to tell you everything he knows about baseball. We'll get to that here on Big Time Baseball. All right, finishing up, John Heyman gets to just kind of open throttle here and talk about what's what. My favorite part of the podcast, basically because I just get to shut up and let John talk. <laughs> but uh, let me start with the Cubs. Let's talk, you know, we hear all year about Madden and is he coming back? Uh, I mean, if, if he doesn't come back, could he go to Philly? Is, I mean, is Gabe Kapler out and, and would he land somewhere? What's this musical chairs potentially managerially? Yeah, at this point, I, I would be very surprised if uh, Madden uh, was to stay with the Cubs after this year. Um, I think that uh, early on, he had uh, the Cubs had kind of suggested uh, to the Madden camp that uh, if they didn't win this year, th- there would, could be some big changes. And I think they weren't necessarily talking only about the manager, but the team as well. So it's something to keep an eye on. If they don't make it this year, do they keep the whole core together? Uh, If they don't win this year, though, I I think everybody in baseball would expect that uh, Madden will be elsewhere next year. And I do not think he would uh, stay with the team, whether it's his choice, their choice. Uh, That seems to be the way it's headed. He was a lame duck coming in, so it's not going to be a shock. I do think it's probably had some effect on the team, as Chris Bryant alluded to this week. Uh, That's going to happen when you have a, a, a huge name manager who's a lame duck and there's all sorts of speculation but my speculation right now is uh, he will be elsewhere next year and I, and I think he will be able to get a job I, I think that his reputation is such and if you look at it he's won just about as many games as anybody over the past four or five years with the Cubs they've been in the playoffs the last four years they may be in the playoffs this year that would be five in a row they obviously broke the streak with him as the manager uh, he's been a terrific manager throughout his career and I would say you you have a good point there with Philadelphia. I think that's a possibility. Uh, we'll see what happens with Gabe Kapler and the Phillies. I think uh, he's on the hot seat as well. Madden is from uh, Pennsylvania. 
uh, not far from there. I believe he has a home there. Whether that matters or not, I'm not sure, but I, I could see that. They've done some interesting things, bringing Charlie Manuel in, so they're not going all the, all analytics, although Madden was at the forefront of the analytics, so let's not forget that. But I think Philly's a possibility, and two other teams, I think, are uh, at least uh, logical uh, for Madden. Not that I've heard that much regarding these two teams. San Francisco, obviously, is going to have an opening with the retirement of Bruce Bochy. Uh, that could be a possibility. And the Angels where he was the bench coach the last time they won the World Series back in 2002 and was there for a long time, first as a minor league player, then as a minor league manager, then as a coach. Uh, You know, I'm not going to rule it out. If Joe Madden's available, someone's going to go get him, just like the Cubs went and got him, uh, even though they had Rick Renteria, who was supposedly going to be coming back at that time, and now obviously is with the Crosstown team. All right, let me drop this one into the punch bowl here with the Cubs. Uh, Regardless of Joe Madden leaving, what about, what if the Red Sox really wanted to make the splash of all time? And you know where I'm going with this. What if Theo leaves as well and Boston way overpays to bring him back for a triumphant return to fix whatever they got to fix there? There's a lot of kind of, uh, I guess like a dull buzz in Boston that maybe that could be a thing. Larry Lucchino obviously is kind of in a uh, emeritus stance right now in, in that uh, hierarchy. And, and so if there is still any uh, lingering Stuff there between Theo and, and Larry, I guess that's no longer a thing. Uh, is that at all possible, and how fascinating would that be? Uh, you know, I, I think it is a possibility. We touched on it last week uh, when we mentioned Mike Hazen as a possibility uh, or uh, somebody of interest for Boston. Now, Hazen has signed a, an extension with Arizona. He's done a terrific job there, well-deserved, and he rewards their loyalty for going out and getting him. Uh, when he left Boston. Uh, So it's not going to be Hazen. Uh, Theo, I think there's an outside chance. I mean, he still has a rapport from what you hear with John Henry, the owner of Boston. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't consider him the favorite in Boston uh, at this point. I would still think it's more likely than not that he stays with the Cubs and that Madden is the one that goes. Uh, the names that I would suggest now, uh, seeing that it's not going to be Hazen, and we have Theo, we had Theo in the mix from last week, would be uh, Hazen's assistant, Amiel Saude, uh, who was with the Red Sox with Hazen and went to Arizona. They had a fantastic draft. They did a, they've done a great job in Arizona. Uh, I, I think Saude is a possibility. He may not fit, fit their exact mold as he's not an Ivy Leaguer, but uh, is an extremely excellent ro- rotation. Uh, throughout baseball, and so to me, that's a name to watch. And the other one would be uh, Theo's, you might say assistant. He is the GM with the Cubs, but uh, he's been working under Theo with the Cubs, and that's Jed Hoyer, who had been with Boston under Theo as well. Um, I I think at this point, it'd be more likely to see Sauday or Hoyer uh, than Theo, but I'm not ruling it out for a return for Theo to Boston. Does uh, J.D. Martinez return to Boston, and who are some other potential opt-out guys that, that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, J.D. Martinez is a very interesting one. There are two that are extremely, extremely close, I think, and uh, in terms of the decision that they have to make. Uh, J.D. Martinez, who's been making $25 million a year in his first two years, uh, has a six, basically a $60 million in three year uh, to go, and so he can opt out now. Now, if he opts out, he gets the qualifying offer. Uh, let's not forget that when he came out two years ago off of an incredible season, uh, mostly with Arizona, it was just amazing with the Diamondbacks. The market was not huge. Uh, he's one of the best 
few hitters in baseball, but the issue is that uh, there aren't that many teams that want a full-time DH or uh, a, a mostly DH. He still can play the outfield, so I'm not going to rule out National League for him. Uh, he had, would have that option, uh, but he is mostly a DH at this point. So uh, despite the fact that he's one of the best probably five hitters in the game, uh, that's $60 million for three years. Um, looks very close, looks in terms of a decision. Uh, at this point, I, I would lean toward he'll probably opt out um, because just because of the year that he's having again and uh, that he can probably get a little bit longer deal or a little bit more per year, per, perhaps. Uh, the other one I think is very interesting is Steven Strasburg, and uh, he's got $100 million for four years, and more money, but... Uh, uh, Two things to keep in mind there is that he's actually having a, a even better season, if you want to compare pitcher to hitter, than J.D. Martinez. Uh, but I, he seems to be less inclined to move around. He's been there forever. Uh, I mean, from the start, he was number one overall draft choice for them. He signed up uh, almost a full year early when he was going to be a free agent a few three years ago. Uh, got the reasonable, very good deal, 175 for seven. Uh, it's not out of line, but off of the year that he's having, and uh, at least recently, he's led the league in innings pitched at times. And the question about him has been the durability, and he's answered that this year. So uh, I would say logically, if you look at it logically, Strasburg even more likely than uh, J.D. Martinez to opt out at this point. Uh, the one name to keep in mind on Strasburg is because he's going to be th- he's going to be close to, he's closing in on 32 years is Granky who signed uh, a deal opted out of 70 million ended up signing for 206 million now they ended up getting the Diamondbacks into a bidding war with the two rivals the Dodgers and the Giants to get that 206 million I'm not saying Strasburg can get 206 million I think times have changed a little bit that bidding war was an unusual situation but uh, on paper at least it, to me it looks like Strasburg can probably beat that so if he if he doesn't opt out he I think he will use that opt out to enhance that uh, contract all right, final minute of the podcast. Uh, the best player in baseball is not healthy right now, Mike Trout. Uh, your, your thoughts on that down the stretch here? Yeah, it's a real shame. I mean, he's having probably his best season, and that's really saying some because every season has been fantastic. Uh, the guy, the low, the worst uh, OPS plus in his career is 168, and uh, he's beating that by quite a bit this year. I still think he's going to win MVP. Uh, I know ESPN had a poll recently where everybody said Trout would win. This was before that he was out for the year, but uh, every, Trout would win and that everybody voted Bregman number two. I think Bregman still uh, is going to finish second. Uh, I, I think a case can be made because, as we've talked about, Houston is uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Angels have had a very disappointing season. The, wor- the award is MVP. Case could be made for Bregman. Uh, he may get a couple of votes. It may not be unanimous, but... Uh, I think uh, the history suggests that guys, even on poor teams or teams not in the running, have won. So I think he'll probably win. It reminds me a little, you know, people have compared Trout to Mickey Mantle, and this reminds me of Mickey Mantle. You're not old enough to remember this, but I was I was alive then. Mickey Mantle in 1962, I wasn't very old, but uh, Mickey Mantle in 1962 only played 123 games and won the MVP, while Trout's played 134. So I think if people recognize that, and also Jordan Alvarez is certainly going to win the Rookie of the Year, and he's basically played a half season for Houston. So I, I think uh, attendance counts, games played counts, being there counts, but uh, Trout's so fantastic that uh, I think he'll win. Uh, probably won't be unanimous, but it'll probably be close and deservedly so. 
John, great job as always. That's a wrap for this time. Thanks to all of our guests, uh, a lot of them today. And thank you guys for listening to Radio.com Sports. Big time baseball. Hopefully you've subscribed by now on iTunes, wherever you download your podcast by searching Big Time Baseball. You can also find us on Twitter at RDC Sports. So, for John Heyman, Josh Lewin, until next time, thanks everybody. Enjoy the stretch run in Major League Baseball. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.